We've been speaking about a woman who is taken captive. Uh, based on what evidence can we assume that she was not violated uh, by her captors and thereby uh, permitted to remain married or to marry a Kohen? And so next Mishnah is going to be talking about not uh, uh, captors who kidnap someone, but rather an army that comes and conquers a city. A city that was besieged and the enemies came in and took over the city. All of the women who are married to Kohanim are considered that they cannot remain married to their husbands. Uh, they are unfit. However, if there is if there are witnesses, and even one witness, and even if that, that witness is a, a servant or a maidservant, they are still believed. Uh, we want to be the rabbis want to be lenient and allow these women to marry. It's like not like for sure that they were uh, violated. It's only a likelihood that since there are soldiers in town, they probably were violated. And even though it's rape and against their will, still uh, regarding Kohen, they can't be with them. But we'd rather help them and uh, allow them to remain married to a Kohen or if they want to, you know, sometime in the future marry a Kohen. And so therefore we are lenient and, and permit even one witness. However, a person is not credible regarding himself. So she can, she can if she comes and says, I was not violated, that's not sufficient. Someone else has to say so. Okay, that's the Mishnah. Question one. Urmin, who we have a contradiction from a Mishnah in Avodah Zarah. Baleshet Shaba'alair. Bishat Shalom Chaviot Pituchot Asurot Sitomot Mutarot. Bishat Melchama Elova Elu Mutarot. Lefisha En Penai Lenasech. Uh, when uh, you have uh, um, soldiers come to a city, so similar circumstance. If it's a time of peace, and they're coming uh, perhaps just to uh, uh, take residence in the city to get food there, um, the, but they have uh, but they have time. They're not in a rush. Uh, then the all of the barrels of wine are uh, the barrels of wine that are opened are prohibited. The ones that are closed are permitted uh, because the ones that were opened, we assume that the soldiers took wine from it. And these are idolatrous soldiers, so they probably made um, libations to idolatry, making this all that wine of Wadazara, and therefore you can ha cannot have it. But the ones that are sealed, that's permitted because, uh, you know, it is possible to reseal a barrel, but these soldiers are not going to bother. If they're stealing something, they're not going to bother to reseal it. So if it's sealed, then they didn't touch it. Good. Bishad Milchama, however, if it's a time of war where they're in a rush, you know, they're, they're coming, they're in the middle of the war, they're in the middle of fighting, they're not going to stop to do a libation, uh, then uh, both those that are open and those that are closed, they may have opened them to drink, and that, yeah, that's fine, but they wouldn't have stopped and done a whole libation, uh, idolatrous libation ceremony. So since they have no time at a time of war, then it's permitted. Okay, so here is our question. How come, regard, we're talking about a time of, let's compare it to a time of war, because that's what we're talking about here, uh, where it's a besieged city. And our Mishnah says that we assume that they uh, took time and uh, they went and violated these women. And so the women are all no good. But when it comes to wine, uh, then we say that they didn't have time and, uh, and they did not do libations for the wine and the wine is all kosher. How come the wine is kosher and the women are 
uh, unfit, uh, we're going to have a couple of answers. Answer number one, Amar of Mari, leave all, yesh penai, lenasech en penai, kind of um, uh, uh, sardonic remark here. He says, yeah, to uh, rape women, that they have time for. They'll stop even in the middle of fighting and go and do that, and therefore we have to assume that the women are, are pisulot. But to go and do a whole libation, that they don't have time for. And so the wine is kosher, the women are not. That's answer number one. Answer number two, Rabbi Yitzchak bar el-Azar mishmet dechizkiya amar. Kan becharkom shel ota malchut, kan becharkom shel malchut acheret. In the case of the wine, we're talking about a, uh, a, a military unit of the very same kingdom. So your own government is coming through and uh, for some reason they have to enforce something, uh, but even if they're coming to enforce something, they're not, they're not going to want to uh, destroy everything in sight. Uh, and therefore, uh, we assume that they uh, pr- protected both the wine and the woman, and so that's the case of wine where the wine is permitted. Whereas our Mishnah is referring to a foreign kingdom uh, who are sending soldiers, and they are not going to care about anything, and they're going to take both the wine and the woman, and so that's our Mishnah. Um, that's why we assume they rape the wine, and, and if it was a foreign uh, nation, then we the wine, the not only the wine, the wine also would be unkosher. Okay, now we can ask. Hold on. If it's you're saying that if it's the your your same government, um, then they are going to be respectful and they're going to make sure not to violate the woman. Fine. Even if that's the official government policy, but it's impossible that one soldier is not going to run off and sneak out when his commander isn't looking and go ahead and violate a woman. And so we should still be careful, even in that case, uh, and assume that they were violated. Amar Yehuda, Amar Shemuel, Kishen Mishmarot, no, we're talking about a case where the sentries are seeing each other, that they, uh, the enemy encampment uh, are, are watched over, and the watchmen can see each other, so they would report if any soldier went rogue and went and was uh, taking woman. Uh, hold on, it's impossible that these watchmen didn't doze off a bit. Sometime in the night, they're going to fall asleep, and one soldier, all it takes is one soldier to go, and we have to worry that he would have come and violated woman. So he says, Rabbi Levi says, talking about a case where they surrounded the city, the enemy's outside, and the, uh, they surrounded the city, um, a border with chains and dogs and branches and geese. Okay, with chains and dogs, we understand branches. If they step on, they would have to step on the branches, make noise. And geese also, if you walk near the geese, they're going to make a lot of noise. And then that would wake up the sentry. And then uh, the, the, the lo- this uh, rogue soldier would be caught. And so if you have all those protections and it's a friendly uh, far enemy, friendly group of soldiers, meaning from the same government, uh, then we can assume that they would be respectful to the women of their own uh, country and not violate them. But otherwise, it would in fact be the law of our Mishnah that we, the woman would be prohibited to Kohanim. Okay. Amar Rabbi Abba Bar Zavda Perigi Bar Bihuda Nesiavra Banan Hadamar Kan Belharkom Shelta Malchut Kan Belharkom Shel Malchut Aheret. So 
this response that we just gave, that we made in Okimta, that, that says, our Mishnah, that previous woman was talking about when a foreign na- a group of soldiers comes in, this was also expressed by uh, the Biudanasi, the grandson of the Biudanasi, and the Rabbanan. But the rest of the discussion, uh, the questions that we had on it, only was said by one of these of these two gr- sages. Uh, so one of the sages just said that uh, here is talking about the same uh, kingdom in regarding Idala, the wine, the, the wine. Whereas our Mishnah is talking about a foreign nation coming, and they and did not ask any further questions. They just accepted that answer. But the other one, either the Biyadansi or Rabbanan, don't say which one is which, Bechad Kashiyale Kol asked all these questions, wait a second, even if it's a, a, the same nation, isn't it possible that one one soldier will get away and go rogue and violate women? And we had to answer him, he says, no, we're talking about, there were watchmen and there were chains and dogs and branches and geese, and so that's how we know that no one got away. Okay, we're just uh, mentioning that that this uh, line of questioning was only needed according to one opinion. The other opinion uh, didn't have the, uh, any, any problem with this line of questioning. Amar Rav Idi Bar Abin Amar Bar Ashyan Im Yesh Sham Mahaboa Achat so another limitation on the stringency of the Braita that says we assume the women are violated by these enemies by these enemies says, but if there is even one hideout uh, that the woman would go to and then the soldiers wouldn't find them there, then we can assume that the woman went to the hideout and they are saved and they um, are permitted to Kohanim afterwards. Even if we don't know for sure that all the women actually went to the hideout, maybe some did, maybe some didn't, but there, uh, the existence of a hideout is sufficient for us to presume that any uh, individual woman went in there. Good. Ba'ed Birmiyah. Birmiyah is always asking the technical question, and here he actually asks a very important, good question. What if there is a hideout, but it's a very small hideout, and it can only fit one woman? Do we say regarding each woman that comes is a thousand women in the city? So we one comes to judge, it's for judgment, says, can I remain with my Kohen husband? And we say, well, you could have been the one that's in the hideout, so you're permitted. Next Next one comes, we'll say the same thing again. For each and every one, we'll say they're all permitted because each one could be the one in the hideout. Or do we say, no, only one could have fit in there. That means the vast majority are not, we're not in the hideout and therefore we have to prohibit all of them unless it's a very big hideout or there are many hideouts. Okay, that's the question. And we're going to answer it by comparing it to a Mishnah in Masechet Teharot. Says, well, isn't this the same? Whatever we answer here would be the same answer that we uh, have regarding the case of two paths. Uh, so there's two paths that lead to the same place. One is, is Tahor and one is Tameh. There's a, a dead body on the way. And two people, one travels one way and one travels the other way, and they both touch things that have to be handled in purity, like terumah. Um, but we don't know which one is which, which who went on which path, or we don't know which path is tahor and tameh. And so therefore we know that one of these people 
um, uh, who walked on one path is Tahar, and we know that the other person is Tameh, but we don't know which one is which. So Rabbi Yehuda says, if each of these people ask separately, one comes to the bed, to the bed and says, am I okay? We say, listen, there's 50-50 chance you went Tahor or Tameh. Since it's in public, we, uh, we can assume that you're Tahor. And fine, he goes home. Now, if the other one comes separately and says, how about me? Am I okay? Well, if, since he asked separately, we give him the same answer, that he's also permitted, even though it's contradictory. One of them has to be prohibited, but as long as they ask separately, so we judge each case on its own, and each one has uh, a 50% chance that they're tahor, and based on that, we are lenient because it happens in public. Uh, whereas if they come together, these two people that each went on a different path, they come together to Betin and said, are we Teharot or Teharot? We have to say that they're both is a possible, there's for sure one of them is Tameh and therefore both of them have to be stringent because we can't tell a lie that Betin can't sit there and say, you're both Tahar. It's impossible. So they can't say such a blatant lie at once Whereas if they come separately, then it's more possible that you, this one is Tahor and that one is Tahor, so they can say both are Tahor. Good. That's uh, Rabbi Yehuda. Uh, Rabbi Yosei Omer, Ben Kach or Ben Kach, Temein. No, it doesn't make a difference if they come at the same time or one after, after the other. It's the same Had, same probability, and one could come. Uh, it doesn't matter, so therefore we have to assume both are Temein. Okay, Rabbi Yehuda is really interesting here. It's kind of like a quantum uh, paradox experiment. Okay, anyway, Now, Rava or they clarify this machloket and say, actually, this machloket is not as uh, divisive as it seems. Uh, if they come out together at once, everyone would agree that they are Tameh. Um, good. Now, uh, if they come separately, in fact, everyone would agree that they're Tahor, even the Biyoseh, even though he said Benkach or Benkach, he didn't mean if they come totally separately. One comes now, another one comes 10 minutes later, then they're going to be Tahor. The in-between case that they're arguing on would be a case where one of them come and says, am I and my friend permitted? So he since he's asked, he's only one person there, but he's asking about both of them. So one sage, meaning Rabbi Yosef, says that's the same as coming together because we're going to have to give them a give them a pasak halacha and say you are permitted, and that would mean his friend is permitted, and then the betin is saying a statement that is. That is clearly not true, and so therefore they have they have to say tameh. Whereas the other uh, other sage in Biuda says this is the same as coming one after the other, because even though he's asking about his friend, the betin can just respond and say you are okay, and then you'll make your conclusion and figure out that the same will apply to the friend. But the betin doesn't have to have both of them there and have to say both of you right now here are okay, so it's more like they're coming one after the other. Okay, anyway, that's the machloket over there. Now, in our case, we have a city full of women, and uh, either they're all coming to the Betin at the same time, um, in which case it would for sure be Tameh, because they're all coming at the same time, everyone agree. 
Or let's say one woman comes and says, hey, am I allowed? And the same would apply to everyone else. She's asking, you know, me and everyone else in the city who's married to Kohanim, are we permitted? So that would also be like Batahat, and according to the Biyose, uh, would be prohibited. And so here's the answer that uh, uh, because we know that in this case, uh, remember the question in Biyamiyah, um, is uh, we know only one of the women was in the hideout. So it's impossible that all the women are teharot. Te- um, uh, it's impossible that all the women were teharot. So according to Rabbi Yose, we can't tell all the women that they are permitted, and therefore we would have to say that they're all prohibited. Um, okay, so that seems to be the answer. But we ask, uh, we challenge it. Hachi hashta? Hold on. Are these cases comparable? Hatam tum'a. In the case of two paths, we know one of the paths is tameh. So for sure, one of these two people who walked on it are tameh. There's definite impurity. But here in the case of the soldiers coming to the city, we don't know for sure that anyone was violated. Maybe nobody was violated. Maybe any particular woman was not violated. Um, and therefore, uh, it is possible to say that you might have been the one in hiding. You might have been, anyone might have been the one in hiding. And we can say they're all tahor because it is in fact possible that none of them were violated. And so as long as the Be'etin is not saying something that is definitely false, then we can rely on the possibility uh, that each that they're all tahor, and therefore assume we could assume that any one of them could and would have been the one that was in the hiding spot. All right, so we um, well, didn't solve that question, but we finished the discussion of that question. And now another question. Let's say there was a hideout, a big hideout, and uh, everybody could fit in it. So therefore, since there's a hideout, if someone comes and says, right, I was in the hideout, then they're fine. We're believed. It's not even clear if they have to say I'm in the hideout. Um, maybe we can assume that they were in the hideout. Fine. But what if a woman comes and says, listen, I did not hide. I was not in the hideout. But I'm telling you, I was not violated, right? I stayed home, but I was okay. Mahu. Mi amrinan. Mali lo amrinan. Do we say, why would I lie? It's a migo. She could have just said nothing, and then we would have said, we would have assumed she was in the hideout and she was fine. And so therefore, why would she lie? If she was lying, she would make a better lie and say, I was in the hideout. And therefore, when she says, I was not in the hideout, but I was not violated, we believe her. Or do we not apply this principle here? That's the question, and the answer is umayshe na mehu maaseh. Well, we'll answer it with a similar case. We have a case of dahu gabra da'agar lehamra lehavre. Amar le lo tazil be'urcha dinahar pekod. Deikamaya. A certain person uh, rented a donkey from his friend. And the friend said, listen, you're renting the donkey. Don't go by the way of Nahar Pekod because there's water there. And the water is going to come and, and uh, uh, um, uh, the donkey will drown. And so don't go there. Rather, go by the path of Neresh uh, because there's no water there and that's okay. So now the, uh, the, the, the owner of the animal, he's giving instructions. So uh, therefore the renter, see if a renter, uh, uh, if the animal dies, 
and the renter didn't went against the instructions of the owner, then the renter is responsible. But if the renter followed the instructions of the owner, and this is just the normal course uh, and the normal course of events, uh, uh, um, a accident happened, then the renter would be not liable to the owner. So anyway, this renter went. He went at the in the way that where there is water. And when the owner told him not to go, he went there anyway, and sure enough, the donkey died. So the case came before Rava, Atalakamet Rava. Amar le, in Borchad dinar pekod azle, mihu lavu maya. The renter said, it's true. I did go by the, uh, the Pekod River way, which he told me not to go because usually there's water there. However, when I went, there was no water. And so the donkey didn't die because it drowned in water. It just died. And therefore, even though I didn't follow the instructions of the, uh, of, um, uh, uh, of the owner, nevertheless, it didn't die because of the concern of the owner. So this is the tricky case. So Rava said, listen, since it didn't die because of drowning, as the owner uh, uh, said so, if it's really true that um, he, there was no water there, then I'll let the renter off the hook. But how do we know if there was water or not? We don't, there's no witnesses here. So Rava applied amigo and said, why would he lie? If he was lying about the water and they're saying, oh, there was no water, he could have had an easier lie and said, I went by the proper path of Nedesh that you told me to, and then he wouldn't have to pay. So now that he's saying, it's true, I went by the wrong path, but there was no water, we should believe him, and he's off the hook. That's Rava's opinion. Amalet Abaye. Uh, says, no, we're not going to apply amigo here because it's against the witnesses. Witnesses here doesn't mean literally that there are witnesses that said there is water there, then for sure it will be no good. But the point is that in this uh, Picard River area, there is almost always uh, 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 water. And so since it's like a presumption that there is water, it's as if there were two witnesses that they were saying there water. And we're not going to allow amigo in the case where it's so unlikely that the circumstances of the amigo are true. And so Abaya says, no, no good. Um, we're not going to permit it. Okay. So similarly, um, since uh, the women uh, were taken captive, were, were captive here, or that the, the the soldiers came in, and it's very very likely that they were in fact violated, we should not apply amigo uh, here as well, if uh, according to Abaye. So here is how we can answer the question by analogy to the case of the donkey. And now we say no, not necessarily. Is it the same? Over there, for sure, there are witnesses that there is water. Again, it's just that it's like such a high possibility. It's like 95%. There's always water on that in that pathway. But here, it's much less of a probability that the women were defiled. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they're not. It's just a worry. And so because of the worry, we're going to tell the Kohanim, that they tell them that they can't be with their Kohanim. But because it's only a worry... If someone says, I could have had a better excuse, why would I lie? So in this case, we should accept Amigo. So there's more reason to accept Amigo in this case than there was in the donkey case.
The last section of the daf today will dis- now discuss the sefa of the Mishnah, which said, When enemies come to the, come into the city, we assume the women are violated unless there are, is a witness. And even a servant or a maid servant, who generally are not kosher witnesses, they can be believed to say that a given woman uh, was not violated and therefore is permitted to a kohen. So now we ask, would that be true even according to, uh, would that be true even for her own shivcha, uh, this woman's own uh, um, uh, uh, own maidservant who was loyal to her? Uh, it sounds like from the Mishnah that she would also be believed because it says everyone is believed, and even a shivcha. Presumably, that means even her shivcha. So, would that be true, or, or or maybe she would be she would lie in loyalty to her boss? So, from the Mishnah itself, doesn't say otherwise. So, it sounds like she is believed. Here's the problem. Urmin he is another Mishnah in Masechet Gitin. If a man gives a wife a conditional divorce, they are not allowed to be in seclusion together, uh, because if they are in seclusion together, then that get that he gave. Gave, let's say he gave it yesterday. He says, you know, just if this happens, then the get will apply. If in the meantime they are together, then that is called the get yashan, because uh, it may show that uh, since they are sleeping together after he gave that conditional get, that he doesn't want the get to be uh, apply anymore. And it would also cause problems uh, if they have a child, and then it turns out that the condition comes true, and the get happened, and now uh, they have this child out of wedlock after the get. So anytime that they are together after they after the get was physically given, even before the condition happened, this get is no good. Uh, that's for this reason. Uh, when some, a man goes out to war, he can give her a conditional get. If I don't come back, then it will apply. That you couldn't work because he's out to war, so they're not together. But if someone wanted to do this today to resolve the aguna issue, and a man will give a woman here's a get, and you know just in case I'm uh, drunk or low life, whatever, or refuse the get, then this is the get from now. That is a problem because they are going to be living together in the meantime, and that will make it into a get yashan. Okay, anyway, um, so uh, 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 so they can't be in seclusion uh, unless they have witnesses present. If there are people present, uh, I mean, the man and woman, they may need to be in a room together to discuss uh, divorce or whatever. Um, so as long as there are witnesses present to ensure that nothing happened, then that's permitted and the get is okay. And you don't need two witnesses, even one witness, even if it's a servant, even a maid servant, except for her maidservant, because she is accustomed to her maidservant. And so therefore, she is not going to be embarrassed to be with her husband and do things in front of her, in front of the maidservant. And she trusts that the maidservant will not tell anyone about it. And uh, therefore, um, the maidservant is not a good, her own maidservant is not a good witness. Anybody else is okay. So that's the question. According to this Mishnah in Gitin, her own maidservant is not believed. According to the implication from our Mishnah, it sounds like her own maidservant is believed.
uh, to say that my master was not violated. So we're going to have three answers. In the case of captive woman, the sages are more lenient. We want to find any way to be lenient to help a woman. After all, it was against her will. She's raped by this foreign enemy and now she has to leave her husband. So any, any way we can, we're going to be lenient and therefore we're going to permit even her own maidservant Although in the case of where you give a conditional divorce, who asked you to be together? So then there's no reason to be lenient for that woman. Um, but, but we're going to go with uh, a, a, a stricter law um, because uh, that and the maidservant generally, her own maidservant is not going to be trusted to be believed. All right. That's the first answer of Rav Papi. Uh, Rav Papa. They live at the same time, but they're different people. The halacha about the conditional divorce is, talk, divorce is talking about her maidservant. Her maidservant is not credible in any case and would not be credible in the captive woman case either. Whereas our Mishnah that said um, a, a shivcha is permitted, it's talking about um, his maidservant or any anyone's maidservant except for hers uh, is okay because even his maidservant is will be trusted his maidser his maidservant if he has one is not going to lie on account of the wife um, and so that we're talking about two different uh, personal maidservants one is believed one is not and that resolves the contradiction. Uh, now, question, is that true that her maidservant isn't reliable for her? Our own Mishnah said, the, the end of our Mishnah here in Kitubot said, a person is not believed about himself. So that only means that it's limiting. Only The only person we don't believe is oneself. But that would mean that her maidservant should be believed. So uh, this is a challenge to the papa who just answered the contradiction by saying that her maidservant is not believed in any case. And here Amishna implies that only a woman herself is not believed, but her maidservant is believed. And the answer is maidservant is like her own self, right? They're so close together. They're there together all the time and uh, so loyal that the maidservant is the same as herself. But when the Mishnah says a person is not believed about themselves, that includes her maidservant too. Third answer, Rav Amar, Dida. No, both of these halachot uh, uh, are talking about her own maidservant. Um, and generally, if a maidservant sees that her master, her, her boss, uh, she is uh, uh, sleeping with her husband or is violated, she will be quiet, right? She won't testify in a, in a way that will harm her master. Yes, that she'll do. In the case of a conditional divorce, all she has to do is not say anything, right? And uh, that woman is presumed that uh, uh, that presumed innocent until proven guilty. In other words, we assume that the husband and wife were not together, and um, and uh, therefore the get is a good get unless someone comes and testifies that oh I saw them and I saw them I saw that they 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 were they, the husband and wife were together. So all the maidservant has to do is just be quiet. So a maidservant will withhold testimony on behalf of her boss, but hachadashtikata osarta. Mehemna. 
in the case of the captive woman, that if she doesn't say anything, then her boss is going to be prohibited because enemies came into the city. We presume all the women in the city were violated. And so in there, in that case, everyone is guilty unless proven innocent. Uh, so he, in that case, uh, by being quiet, she would, um, uh, she would, uh, uh, the woman would be, would be prohibited. And, uh, so she would actually have to now testify actively falsely in order for her, uh, if it was false, in order for her, 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 her master to be permitted. So we're not going to assume that she is going to, uh, she may very well withhold true testimony, but she's not going to actively go to court and lie. So if she comes to court and says, my, uh, my boss was not violated, then we do believe her. Believe her. So this clarifies next line. Okay, so in here, here too, in the case of uh, captivity, wouldn't she come and lie? And the answer is no. She's not going to do two negative things. She will do one negative thing. In other words, she will be quiet and withhold testimony, but she's not going to actively go to court and lie. And so that's the difference between the two cases. In the case of uh, the conditional divorce, yeah, a maidservant will be quiet to protect her, her master. But in the case of the uh, a woman with the soldiers, she's not going to actively go to court and say she was not violated if the maidservant actually knows that she was violated or, or, or doesn't know any better. All right, that's the third answer. Um, now, Kiha Demar Demari Bar Isak. And now we're going to bring a proof that people will withhold testimony um, if they need to, but uh, if they're pressured to, but they will not actively lie, even if pressured to. From the following interesting story of Mari bar Isak, bar Isak, either Mari or Hana, let's just go with Mari, who was a guy, he was a, he was a thug. A violent man. One time, this Maribar Isaac, he had a brother, and the brother came from Bechoza'eh, and he said, Hey, you know, their father died, and he says, Hey, I'm your brother, and uh, give me half of the inheritance. So Mari says, I don't know who, I don't know who you are. I've never seen you before. You're, 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 a, you're a fake claiming to be my brother to get money. Go away. So So they brought the case before Rav Chista. Uh, so Rav Chista tells the, uh, the brother that came, says, uh, uh, Mari has a good claim. You have to prove that you are the brother. After all, we, maybe we don't, maybe, maybe you are, maybe you're not, but maybe you're not recognizable anymore. Regarding Yosef, who uh, they sold to Egypt and then they they saw it many years later they came and they they Yosef recognized them but they didn't recognize Yosef how could it be that they didn't recognize their own brother well when he left he didn't have a beard and now he had a beard so it could be over many years someone will look different and therefore um, he doesn't recognize you he has a good claim if you are really the brother you Rav Chista says you have to prove it so Rav Chista tells the brother go bring witnesses that you are who you say you are so the brother says, I have witnesses, but I asked them to come testify, and they're scared because Marie, my brother, is a violent person, and he, uh, he would threaten the witnesses. 
if they would testify against him. So Rav Chista accepts that argument and he turns to Marie and says, okay, you know what, Marie, you have to give him half of the property unless you bring witnesses that you are, that he is not your brother. Marie says, is that fair? The general rule is someone who wants to extract money has to bring the proof. Marie has the money. His brother wants to come extract the money, take money from him. He has to bring the proof. Why do I have to prove that he's not my brother? He says, yeah, you're right. This is against the letter of the law, but this is how I'm going to judge you and all of your thug friends, right? You go and intimidate witnesses so you don't deserve that protection of the law. Um, you have to bring witnesses that he is your brother, that he's not your brother. Okay, that's the story. Now, here's the point. Hold on, how come we don't worry that Marie will intimidate some people to go and swear falsely, give false testimony that this guy is not the brother? And so therefore, we shouldn't even believe him, we shouldn't believe Marie even if he brings witnesses himself. And the answer is, people do not do two acts of a dishonesty. We do worry that if there are witnesses out there that say, uh, that know that he is a brother, they may be intimidated and just not come to court at all, right? People will withhold testimony because they feel afraid. But even if you threaten someone, they still aren't going to actively come to court and say something that they know is not true. And so uh, this is a proof that the same is true in our case. All right, now last point. Should we assume that uh, the, this uh, question about whether a maidservant is believed in the case of the uh, these captive women, is this uh, subject to a machloket between two tanaim? Here's why we would say it must be machloket, because look at these two baraitot. One of them says, Zo edut ish ve'isha tinok ve'tinoket, when we say that uh, someone is believed to say that a certain woman was not violated, uh, that testimony can be given by a man or a woman, even by children, even by the father or mother or brother or sister of the litigant that we're talking about. They can all testify, yes, we were with her, she was not violated. However, her children are not believed and nor are her servant and maidservant. So you see, according to this, a maidservant is not believed. Uh, this goes against the opinions we saw before, which said that in this case, a maidservant in one case or another can be believed. Uh, so this is a problem uh, for the Amoraim we just cited. Another Brayta says everyone is believed except for the man and the woman herself, the husband and the wife herself, themselves, but otherwise a shivcha would be believed. Uh, so as follows. So you know what, for Rav Papi and Rav Ashi, uh, Rav Ashe, for sure we're going to have to say that this is a machloket tanaim. Rav Papi's answer above was that we are lenient regarding captive women. So that means for sure he does believe uh, uh, shef, uh, the shefachot in general, uh, and any, uh, even hers, anyone. Uh, Rav Ashe's answer was that we um, believe the person in this case, 
because she would not actively lie, and so Rav also does believe maidservants. And so therefore, it's evident that they have no way of explaining the first Baraita. So according to them, you have to say that they follow the second Baraita, and there's a Machloket Tanaim here. Good. Uh, however, according to Rav Papa, do we have to say it's a Machloket Tanaim? Uh, after all, he makes a, disting- a distinction between his maidservant and her maidservant, so he does believe uh, some maidservants, so would we say also that he um, can has to follow the second one but not the first? Not necessarily. Rapapa can say that maybe uh, she, uh, uh, in the case where we believe her, you know why we believe a maidservant? Only if she's speaking. Incidentally, she happens to be telling a story about something else. And she mentions, oh, I was with my uh, master the whole time and she never got violated. Uh, then we believe her, but not if it's, so that's, uh, but not if it's direct testimony. And so maybe the papa would say, no, in fact, we would never believe them if there's direct testimony. So he can be reconciled with the first Badaita also. It's not clear why the others couldn't say the same answer. Perhaps this is a, um, a, a shita uh, that a papa accepts in general. Uh, regarding Messiah Lefi Tumor, uh, and so that's why the Papa could give that answer here, and that way he can reconcile himself with all both Baraitot and not have to uh, limit himself to only one. Anyway, this principle of when some, someone's speaking incidentally, uh, then they're more believable. We see an example. Ravdimi came to Ferment Israel and he said in the name of Rav Hanan from Carthage, who said, uh, case came before Rabbi Yosha ben Levi and he was the judge. Others say that Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi said that the case came before the B. All right, whoever said this, uh, here's the case. Someone who happened to be telling a story to someone else. Says, listen, you know what happened? We went, we were traveling, and we were captured. Me and my mother uh, were taken uh, taken captive by uh, foreigners. This is the father and mother, this, this um, mother and son. We're Jewish. And uh, he says, listen, I would always keep my eye on her. Even if I went out during while I was in captivity, I would go out to draw water. I would be paying attention to my mother, making sure that she was protected. If I went out to gather uh, uh, wood, I would also pay attention to my mother to make sure that she was not violated. And so I wanted to make sure that these captors didn't violate her. And the bee heard that, even though he wasn't, actually because he was not testifying officially, so he believed even a son uh, who testified on behalf of his mother, even though in the Badaita here it says we do not believe such a person, uh, the children and maidservants are, are uh, not believed, but if they're Messiah Lefitumo, then they would be believed. And so in that way, he can reconcile both of these Badaitot, Baruch Adonai Amen, Amen.